as we go into uh, a lesson like uh, like missions and such as that, it's easy to go back to the same scriptures over and over, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I eat uh, tomato sandwiches sometimes, one every day when I get good tomatoes. Uh, I don't get tired of them. And uh, I just told them this morning in Sunday school class, you've got to have tomatoes, bread, and Duke's mayonnaise. The rest of the mayonnaise, it ain't worth buying and taking home. You just, you just get Duke's mayonnaise. And uh, you can try all the others, and you'll go back to that one. So, and I love that stuff. I don't know what in the world's wrong with me. Uh, I know I wasn't created like everybody else, but I could take a spoon, Brother Roger, and a jar of Duke's and spoon it out and eat it. What? That stuff ain't worth throwing away, buddy. Yeah. We're going to have a vote in this place before long. My Lord have mercy. Y'all don't know what's good for you. I can see why some of you, I can see why some of you's messed up. Brother Norman, you may have to come up here and bail me out. Get that sucker out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm going to read you a true fact that happened many years ago. <clears throat> this, this, this has really been uh, checked on. This did happen. It's about the heart of a child for helping others, for being for others. We are sitting here this morning in an air-conditioned building. When the weather gets cold, it'll be heated. You're sitting on comfortable chairs. Uh, I grew up in church on a wooden slatted pew bench that had nails driven in it. Part of them had backed up. If you didn't watch it, tear the pants out of your, uh, seat out of your pants when you slid on them. You didn't dare slide across the bench. Uh, they, they were just that way. Uh, it was cold unless you could, in the wintertime, unless you could get one of the seats right around the, close to the heater. And the older people always got around the heater and sat there close by, and when they got too warm, they got up and cut the damper off. They didn't move back and let the rest of us get the heat, they cut the damp off to suit themselves, and then if you're sitting on the second or third seat, you just froze. It's tough. And in, and in the summertime, you had all the windows open, and you fought the mosquitoes and bugs, just like half of this bunch of us this morning has gone camping. They, they fighting bugs and mosquitoes, and we're sitting here in a church in a good, nice place to stay. So, uh, and y'all, Audrey, you and Freddie can tell the ones that's gone camping what I said, that... Uh, they took off home and went to camp, and a whole bunch of them did. I'll get them. One way or the other, I'll get them. But uh, God's blessed us. God's blessed us. But this little girl, this a sobbing little girl, stood near a small church from which she had been turned away because it was too crowded. I can't go to Sunday school, she sobbed to the pastor as he walked by. Seeing her shabby, unkept appearance, the pastor guessed the reason she was turned back. And taking her by the hand, took her inside and found a place for her in the Sunday school class. 
The child was so touched that she went to bed that night thinking of the children who have no place to worship Jesus. Some two years later, this child lay dead in one of the poor tenement buildings, and the parents called for the kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their daughter to handle the funeral arrangements and the final arrangements. As her poor little body was being moved, a worn and crumbled purse was found which seemed to have been rummaged from some trash dump. Inside was found 57 cents and a note scribbled in childish handwriting which read, this is to help build the little church bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. For two years she had saved for this offering of love. When the pastor tearfully read that note, he knew instantly what he had to do. Carrying this note and the crackled red pocketbook to the pulpit, he told the story of her unselfish love and devotion. Her challenge, he challenged the deacons to get busy and raise enough money for a larger building, but the story does not end there. Some of you have heard this. I've read it before. A newspaper learned of the story and published it. It was read by a realtor who offered them a parcel of land worth many thousands of dollars. When told that the church could not pay so much, he offered it for only 57 cents. Church members made large subscriptions. Checks came from far and wide. Within five years, the little girl's gift had increased to $250,000. That's a quarter of a million. And when this was, that was a huge amount of money. A huge sum for that time near the turn of the century. And that was the other century, not this past one. Her unselfish love had paid large dividends. When you are in the city of Philadelphia, look up Temple Baptist Church with a seating capacity of 3,300 and also go by Temple University, which you've heard about and they have great sports teams and all, where hundreds of students are trained. Have a look too at the Good Samaritan Hospital and at a Sunday school building which houses hundreds of Sunday school scholars so that no child in the area will ever need to be left outside at Sunday school time. In one of the rooms of this building may be seen the picture of the sweet face of the little girl whose 57 cents so sacrificially saved made such remarkable history. Alongside of it is a portrait of her kind pastor, Dr. Russell H. Conwell, author of the book, Acres of Diamonds, a true story. A child with 57 cents turns a city around or upside down or right side up. Matthew 28 and 18, which is so familiar. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Sinners are not required to attend church. But the church is required to go to the center. Now, I'm trying to stay with mission this morning, and I may talk more than I attempt to preach. We have sent millions to missions, and we still have a mission field right in our door. The state office keeps a record of the mission money that goes out of the state of Virginia each year and goes to help missions because it's reported through the state so we know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars the state of Virginia is putting in missions. 
You might say that is wasted money. That is not wasted money. You'll find that out tonight if, if you come back to the service. The, the harvest field, Jesus tells us, is ripe, is ready. But the laborers are few. I would challenge you this morning, maybe for a moment to visualize in your mind right quick what you think the church is supposed to look like or be like. We have, we have uh, more or less over a period of years or times, we have envisioned within ourselves, and I know I have more than one time, that one of these days we are going to come to church and it's going to be filled up with people that are worshiping the Lord and people that are living for the Lord and people that look just like I do. You say, God help that. You missed a good chance. But... We, we want everybody to be like we have them pictured and want them to be. We want the church to be envisioned as uh, just being so-so and prim and proper and everybody just looking exactly the same as a church. I have a sneaking feeling that we are totally going to be surprised when we see what the church is when it stands before Jesus to be given the crown of life. Because there's one scripture in the Bible that says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was let down into the sea and drew in it of all kinds. But pastor, I don't like that person or that one. They don't look right. They're not right. They're shabby like the little girl was at the church in Philadelphia, so we can't use them. We have no place for them in our church. Well, I think I have some news for all of us this morning, including Wayne. I think and I believe and I fully am persuaded that Jesus is the one that's going to decide who is going to make up his bride. I don't think Wayne is going to have that decision. I don't think John Tweedy is going to be into it at all except to be a part of it but not to be a chooser. I'm not looking for, for a group of people this morning that fits me. But I would to God that we could get it in our minds some way, somehow today that Jesus is coming back after a church and after a people that has made him themselves ready. It's going to be made up of red, yellow, black, brown, white, whatever color it all is out there. We're not all going to be. Well, let me tell you something. We have, we have had hang-ups over the years. i got to get back to my notes. Don't I'm going to get messed up. Bob King, you going to help me? Huh? You going to help me? Don't say, huh? You going to help me? We have had prejudice going on within the church long enough. Long enough. Come on, now you help me just a little bit. We have had been choosy long enough. I have told you the story of walking into a store right up the road on the corner at Lakeway Minute Market years ago 
and a person in there was telling me about this family that was walking out the door, and she was going to one of the high-up churches in the community. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, you know, that family would fit better in your church than it does in ours. Five years later or less, I gave her the right hand of fellowship and the covenant in this church also. You see, God has a way of changing people just a little bit. And there is no such thing as that one fits better there or that one fits better there. It fits the way God sets it up to fit. He put us in the body. Ah, hallelujah. He put us in the body as it pleased Him. Not as it pleased me, but as it pleases Him. I say, God, turn us around. Turn our thinking around. Give us a new man this morning that we will reach out to everyone. It doesn't matter what color they are. And I know I've got brother and sister Norman back here, and they are black. And they don't mind me talking this. I, I know that. Come on with me. You love us. We love you. I will fight for you. I will fight for you. I don't know what color you are. I don't care what color you are. You're a child of God. I don't care if one half of this church is black, red, brown, whatever. I don't care. I say, God, fill it up with the bride of Christ. That it doesn't matter one bit in this world to me. We are a mission church. You say, I just can't, I just can't buy into that. Well, you're going to buy until you're going to be plumb out of it one way or the other because God is not going to tolerate my prejudice, whatever it might be. We've been too choosy. I've told you this story more than one time, and I know you get tired of hearing my stories. Well, that's all right. You can just run me off. If you pray, if you pray enough, you could get the pastor healed and you wouldn't have to listen to me. Got that in pretty good. Was pastoring over in this first little building over here. We didn't have anything, anybody. We had a handful of people, and that was it. We had we had this one old guitar. I told this not too long ago to some of you, all of you didn't hear. I had one guitar, it wasn't that one, because good Lord, that one's electric. That thing, all that mine had on it was just one I paid $43 for it. That was it, and had some strings on it. Try pastoring a church, preaching a service, giving an altar call, playing the, playing the guitar, and singing all at the same time. Brother Sherman, it don't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. He finally felt sorry for us and brought in a PA system and set it up in that first church over there. Am I right or wrong? He's nodding his head like a chicken picking up corn. And so one Sunday morning, in walks this girl. Oh, I know y'all love this, don't you? In walks this girl. Her dress was up to there. I mean, it just might as well. You couldn't blow your nose on it without getting snot on your hands. What's wrong with you? 
she walked up to me, Jezebel would have looked like a Sunday school teacher. She walked up to me and she said, I can play the piano. I said, oh, my Lord, she's going to get up on the platform like that. She said, I can play the piano. She said, I can play any song in that book. She could read notes, buddy. She could play. I said, go for it. Some of the members, you going to let her play the piano? God sent her there. What am I going to do? You say, no, you can't do that. I'd read a book on A.J. Tomlinson, who was our first general overseer. And yeah, he was a Quaker. I think somebody mentioned that in this, this convention. He came out of the Quaker church. And he said one time, he said, I helped revivals, tent revivals. He said, I had people making music and playing music that looked more like the world than anybody you ever seen in your life. He said, they looked awful, but he said, I put them to work, put them on there, and prayed them through the victory until they got straightened out and knew how to dress and knew how to talk and knew how to walk. Put her on the, put her on the stool, and she played for us until God sent us somebody else along a few years later. I'm still friends with this lady. You see, God is sending some things sometimes to us. And is it possible that the Lord could do some things sometimes that we deny and push aside and it's the Lord working in some mysterious ways among us? There are angels, a hallelujah, among us here this morning in this church. I can feel it, and I know they're here, Brother Willie, because the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that love him and fear him. Oh, my God, help us today, Lord. We have got to embrace what he brings to us. But you see, people... When they come in among us, they might not look like us walk in, but after a while, if they get filled up with the Spirit of God, He will clean them up. He will get them looking right. He will get them singing right. He will get things going right. It's not my job. It's His job. Say, God, help us this morning. God, help us some way or another that we can get our eyes open to the Word of God. Church is not going to look like I think it ought to look because there's going to be people in the bride of Christ that I never thought would make it. There's going to be some missing that I thought would be there. Peter's encounter on the rooftop should be enough for us to get over our revelation of the church. And decide to let God make that choice. You know the story that he was on the rooftop and the Lord let him down food, animals, rice, Peter, kill and eat. I didn't go to that scripture. I want you to find Isaiah, I think it's 41 and 10 somewhere and I want it after a while. Isaiah 41 and 10. I didn't get to it last Sunday. Peter went on the rooftop. The Lord let down certain animals. Rice, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has ever entered into my mouth. He had some stuff on that he wasn't supposed to be eating. 
Brother Bob took, Bob and Sister Linda took Arlene and me yesterday after we finished the convention over to Texas Roadhouse, Roadhouse to eat. And uh, you know what I ordered? There was only menu. Roadkill. That's what's on the menu, am I right? Roadkill. Hamburger steak comes smothered in onions, peppers, mushrooms, and gravy. Thank you. Me too. How long? Good Lord. Is it 20 minutes long? What the? Oh, the roadkill. The girl brought it. I said, what is this, possum or groundhog? She said, I think it's skunk today from the smell in the kitchen. Peter said, Lord, I'm not going to eat anything that's common or unclean. The Lord said, what I have cleansed, call there not common or unclean. I don't care who you are, what color you are, where you came from, what your background is, what your mom and daddy did. I don't worry about that. If you've been cleaned and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you are clean for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What in the world? My Lord, what are we waiting for? This church ought to be full of people. There's enough sitting around Sister D this morning drinking lemonade in the shade somewhere or another or mowing the grass or weed eating. They could fill this building up and they could do that tomorrow or the night one. We have used every excuse in the world not to go to church and there's no reason not to go. The Bible said to assemble yourselves the more as you see the day approaching. And if the day for the coming of the Lord is getting nigh, it's time that we got to church more than what we ever have been. I still have a question in my mind. If, And I know some of you are not going to like this, but some of you don't like me anyway, so you don't worry about it too much. You just have to get over it today, I reckon. If we're having church sitting here this morning and the Lord comes today, is he going to look up the ones that are supposed to be here that are not here, or is he going to leave them where they are? Now, if you've got enough guts to answer that when I say more power to you, as Roscoe Darling told Andy. I'm glad I'm not the judge. I'm glad I'm not being judged by, by men, but I'm glad I don't have to judge you. If you, well, praise God. There's some things that we need to be doing for the Lord that we have sidetracked and let go, and we're not even concerned about it anymore. We are using the church for a hobby. We don't want it to turn into a social event or a social circle. A welfare state. Oh boy, that went over good. 
We want it to be a soul-saving station and a filling station with the Word of God and the power of God and the presence of God and the workings of God and the works of the Spirit to be demonstrated among us that when we pray, our prayers will be answered, our needs will be met. Everything we pray for, he said, if two or three of you will ask in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. What part of that is it we don't understand? Bill Clinton didn't know what the word if meant or is meant or whatever, but I know what that means. I haven't got anywhere here. Is anybody in here that can't read that? Fear there not. This is God talking as it. I am with thee. I don't like it up there. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Skip down to verse 13, Brother Kenan, if it's not too much trouble to you. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. Everybody hold up your right hand. There's a God this morning that wants to grip that hand. There's a God that wants to hold your hand this morning. Saying unto thee, fear not. Oh, hallelujah. I will, I will help thee. I will help thee. Oh, God, this morning, hold my hand. Hold my hand, Lord, and let me feel your mighty presence. If you believe John 3, 16 and Psalms 23, Brother Bobby, we got to believe that one too. He's holding your hand. He's got you. You're not going to fall. Told him Thursday in, in the beginning of the convention, I said, you know, there was a fire one time, and three Hebrew children were cast into that fire, but Jesus appeared in there. You know what? He was the one that created the heavens and the earth and everything that there is in the heavens and earth. And all he had to do was look at that fire and hold out his hand and say, be quenched or be eradicated or be snuffed out or be stopped. But he didn't do that. He got in the fire with them. He got in the fire with them. He said, boys, you are not by yourself. Fear not, be not dismayed, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. My Lord, isn't that wonderful that he will hold us? You got to be kidding. You got to be kidding. You mean those people over yonder in China and in Africa and all that? He's not gonna. He's not gonna. He's gonna help them too. 
Is he going to do the same for them he does for us? Yes, yeah, same for me. Even me. How many believes this, this guy right here? Amen. How many believes? Say amen. 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 I'm not trying to be mean this morning. God help me. Y'all know I'm a mean preacher. I know that you already know that. Y'all don't have to tell you. But I have fun. I have fun. God is so good to us. We are fighting a battle this morning that we're going to win. He has never, he has never lost a battle. His people have lost some battles because they didn't obey him. But Susie, he has never lost a battle. He will never lose a battle. He created every, he keeps great, great, great records. He knows what America is facing right now. He knows exactly what you're going through this morning. He knows what's going on out there. He knows the future. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I and some others and maybe some of you might wind up in jail before the end of time on this thing. But if I go, somebody else is going with me. I just told you who it was. Somebody else is going with me because he's going to hold my hand. <laughs> he's going to hold my hand. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter one bit. He is holding my hand. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. He's going to be there for me. What a Savior we're serving this morning. You say, man, I had a scripture. I wanted to get on the board somewhere or another before. Boy, I quit if I possibly can. Can you find St. Luke for me up there in the booth? I, I, I apologize to you guys for not giving you this beforehand, but I didn't know what was going on this morning. I still don't know what's going on. Can you find Luke 24 and drop down to verse 36, and maybe we'll go through 43. You see, that's Luke 24, 36. Yeah, you got it. We have got, we have got a picture in our mind of Jesus being this guy with this long beard and long hair. And I'll grant to you the Nazarenes did not cut their hair. Look at me like that. They didn't cut their hair. Nazarites. They didn't cut their hair. Jesus was a Nazarite, wasn't he? You Bible scholars on my own track here? He may have that. He may have a beard. I don't know. He may be wearing a long flowing robe. I don't know. And he may be wearing dungarees and flip-flops. You know. <laughs> they had sandals, which weren't any better than flip-flops. You're wearing flip-flops, you might as well go barefooted. You ain't got nothing on no way. So. Tell it like it is to stay in the church. But you see, he came to this earth. If you put him in a lineup, if you put him in a lineup here on this earth with all the disciples and all the scribes and Pharisees and the whole bunch down the line, 25, 30, 40, 50, 100 people, he probably blended in looking just like they did. He went to the table. He ate as they did. He got tired. He sat down and he rested. 
He felt bad when some of his friends died. He even wept, John 11 and 35. Yep. He wept. Jesus wept. He, he was a person like as we are, yet without sin. Is that, is that not scriptural? Like as we are, yet without sin. What's the excuse? He died for us to cleanse us, to sanctify us, to make us holy. And when we get that way, Al, and you say, I thought it was going to be on missions. It is, it is on missions. When we get that way, the people will come to the light. If we're not letting the light shine out of this thing, there ain't no, excuse my grandma, there ain't no need of nobody coming. They're not coming to darkness, are they? So he's not like that, but this is after the resurrection. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Boy, they were really trained, weren't they? He's been telling them all along, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again the third day. I'll, I'll be all right. And they see him and they're scared to death. You say, well, they thought it was a spirit. I take issue with that. They should have had better knowledge. I wanted to say sense, but I, I want to be real nice. <laughs> they should have had a better knowledge of that because he had already told them. And this is going to reveal it even more when you read on down through here. A ghost don't look like that. All right, next verse. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Next verse. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. Handle me. Get a hold of me. You know, feel of me. And, 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 let, and, let, and, and know that... A spirit does not have flesh and does not have bones. As you see that I have. Next. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? I'm hungry, boys. Have you got any meat? Spirit, Lord, come on. Next one. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. Next. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Boys, I told you this. You didn't listen to me. I told you over and over what was going to happen. You paid no attention to me. Now you're scared to death. And here I am, still got my hands, still got my feet. That all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. They had all of that to read. Am I not right? They had all that. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So they have been reading the book. They have been going by it, had no idea what they were reading. But he, when he, oh, oh, oh boy, come on now. When he came in to break bread and meet with them, 
He opened their eyes that they could understand what he was doing and who he was. Let's get one more. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now listen to me. After he arose from the dead, he walked on the road to Emmaus. Two disciples walked with him. He took up with two disciples. We can almost figure out who they are, can't we, Brother Willie? And they moaned and groaned all the way from Jerusalem to Emmaus about their Savior had been taken from them, their, their king had been taken, or whatever, their, you know, their Redeemer, their Lord, he'd been taken away from them. They cry, pity party, all the way to Emmaus. And he, and he starts talking to them. And he expounded unto them all things that were written of him back from the law all the way up to then. And I would give $1,000 to get a copy of that message. And Brother Willie would give another thousand. We, we would like to hear what he preached to them. Their eyes were never opened. All right, Sister Norman, I'm going to get with you here this morning. Their eyes were never opened. If he fed them five loaves and two fishes. Their eyes weren't opened if he gave them that loaf of bread and a bag of tomatoes and Duke's mayonnaise. But the Bible said that when he broke bread with them, when he broke bread with them, come on, their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. Let me put it to you so plain that a child can understand it. When we open the word of God and we get it applied to our hearts and souls, we will know who Jesus is. Right now we have a vague view of the church, of him, of all of that, but it's all in the scripture to open our eyes that we might understand who he really is. And so when he understands, when we understand who he really is, we are going to set the woods on fire, folks. We're going to shuck some corn. You say, when's that going to happen? I don't know. Do you know of any reason why it shouldn't start just in right now? Does anybody know of any reason why we're waiting for something to happen? My Lord, we've got the Savior of the world. He's a visible person. You can see the nail scars still in his hands and feet. You can see the place in his side. He eats. He's not a spirit. He's a spiritual body. My goodness alike. I told you more than one time, Casper the ghost was a spiritual a spirit. That's how he went through the wall. Jesus is a spiritual body. You say, how are we going to do that? I don't know, and I don't care. I just told the other Sunday, Brother Willie over here, he's been moaning around for years, wanting to go to the Grand Canyon. Brother Steve, throw him in your van or truck or something and take him to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> if he don't get there in this life, there's going to be another. Man, you're going to have a thousand years 
You can walk it, jump it, do anything you want to do, appear on the south rim, the north rim, wherever you want to go, that thing will still be there. I guarantee you I never saw such a hole in my life. And the scientists can tell you how many billion years ago that thing started cutting out. If you believe it, i got a bridge down to Arizona I want to send you to. Jesus, Jesus knows how to make canyons. He knows how to make mountains. He made them. He knows how to build our church. And he told us how to do it. The ball's in my court and your court to get this done the way he wants it done. Would you stand with me? I'm not, I'm not wanting to be critical of anybody, of anything. But I would beg us this morning get on our face before the Lord somewhere, somehow and ask him to show us what we need to do next. Lord, what do I need to do next for you? That I can be a witness. That I can be a missionary. You say, but that missionary is coming tonight. He's from Africa. I know it. We got some missionaries right here in this church. Some of you are playing the part of a missionary and you don't realize it. But thank God for what you're doing. Thank you.